0: You're listening to the Center for Auto Safety podcast with Acting Executive Director Michael Brooks, Chief Engineer Fred Perkins, and hosted by Anthony Simino. For over 50 years, the Center for Auto Safety has been working to make cars safer. Find out more at autosafety.org.
1: Fred's now in Japan or something. Uh, For those of you listening at home, you're missing out on quite the visual display. Um, (laughs) Anyway, so... (laughs) The New York Times had this fun article the other day about why so many cars have rats in them. And we've been dying to talk about rodents in cars because that's the real safety issue that everyone's concerned about. So this article goes into basically New Yorkers dealing with lots of rats chewing through wiring. and, And now I know what it means every time you get that check engine light. It just means that rats ate some wires in your car. As far as I can tell, they should just replace that little icon with a little rat instead, because no one knows what that means. So and then uh Michael, you sent us sent us some information about is it the soy-based wiring?
2: Right. So that's we continue to get complaints and we've been getting them for you know many years on rats, mice, squirrels, unknown critters, uh who have chewed through wires on vehicles and, um, you know, these could be wires that aren't safety critical um, and just kind of cause a quality or ownership headache. Uh, but a lot of times they're things like <sighs> your headlights, you know, your um, it could be your wires connecting various computer systems, in the vehicle, it could be your occupant, um, protection sensors and things that control airbag deployment and things like that. So it's, it's certainly concerning. Um, but when you dive into the reason why this continues to happen, you know, it doesn't seem that we have, have great explanations. You know, there's, there's a lot of rodents out there and they're continually growing their teeth and they're continually gnawing on things to keep their teeth in shape. And so, we're not sure, and the science is still a little unsettled on whether you know critters are just gonna chew on anything around them or they are going to or they are attracted to things like a soy based chemical and wiring um we're not sure yet, but we're um you know there's there's been a class action lawsuit filed on this issue that was thrown out of court and now has been brought back in um the, the USDA has done a study on whether, uh, mice or rats could be attracted to these kind of chemicals, finding that, you know, there, there's really not a lot of evidence that they are. Um, but that's a study that's, you know, somewhat funded by industry and, you know, it was, that's always, you know, questionable. Um, so there's a lot of little issues here, um, that, that come down to these critters and, and, you know, that's, it's, it's probably a worldwide problem i mean there are rodents they're rats mice and all sorts of other rodents living around humans all over the world so um this isn't something that's limited to america and our vehicles it's it's or is it limited to cars i mean i i've had a, a lawnmower chewed to bits uh by squirrels or chipmunks i'm still not sure who the culprit was there um, so this is, this is a common problem across vehicles and, and anything really, you know, people get their house chewed on people. There, there, there are a lot of different places where rodents, um, can impact our lives negatively and, and, and reach into our pocketbooks.
1: So what's the solution? I mean, do we start rubbing down electrical wires with cayenne or, or wrap them in more <laughs> metal so rats don't chew through them?
2: Well, I've heard varying degrees of success with reports on the cayenne. Some owners there's actually cayenne pepper tape that um was been I, mean, I believe a Honda owner told me about it first. They said that they were offered this tape when they went to dealership. And perhaps that can be effective if you know you have a continual problem where, you know, the, the mice or rats are coming through and chewing on a specific area of your car that you want to protect. But You know, from from looking at the complaints that come in, it's it's, you know, these. It's. I don't think it's very feasible to wrap every wire in your vehicle with cayenne pepper tape. I don't know that cayenne pepper tape works great. I had a uh, you know a squirrel issue on my back fence where they were running down the tree and sliding their teeth down a board on my fence over and over again for uh, at least a year because it was fairly damaged by the time I got to it. And I made a paste out of cayenne pepper and put it over it and it didn't even face them, you know, for a minute. So I'm a little skeptical of the cayenne pepper solution in general. And I don't think you can wrap every wire in your vehicle with cayenne pepper tape. That sounds uh, like an extremely difficult proposition given that it's hard to access a lot of places in your vehicle that with human hands that mice can crawl into. So it's probably not a good long term solution if there is one. I mean, that, that's a question here is, is there is there a solution for this? Or are you know, are, are rats going to rat?
1: <laughs> OK, well, Elon Musk must have a solution to this, and I'm sure it's a subscription service to prevent rats eating your wires. Uh, but Fred, from an engineering perspective, is it I, I, I don't imagine this is the first thing that comes up and, you know, hey, let's solve a powertrain issue. What about rats, right? Like, what do you? what's the thought from an engineering perspective? How do, how do you approach this?
0: Well, it's difficult. Uh, you know, engineering is different than physics because uh, in physics, you have to have conservation principles, which are conservation of energy, conservation of mass, conservation of momentum, conservation of charge. Uh, unfortunately, engineering has another conservation principle, which is conservation of money. And, and that becomes predominant in this particular situation because you simply cannot economically armor every wire that's in the car and uh, you know put everyone under control. You could conceivably wrap them all in steel tape or titanium or who knows what, but rodents will chew through thin pieces of uh, metal, including aluminum possibly uh, or copper and maybe even titanium, who knows. So I don't think people are willing to bear the cost of that, and the car companies don't think people are willing to bear the cost of that either. Uh, there's a couple other issues. One is that antifreeze and antifreeze mist tastes sweet. I do not try this at home, boys and girls, but I tasted it once just to verify that theory. And it is disgustingly sweet, and it stayed in my mouth for several days, so yeah. Do not try this at home. Wait, what,
1: what? It stayed in your mouth for a few days. Just taste and get rid of it. Come on, what? Uh, this
0: is some. Were you on some reality TV show? This had to be well, it, it was reality. It wasn't a TV show. But anyway, I, my, the, the point is that the mist that comes out of your radiator, which is inevitable when it heats up, um, deposits itself on all the wires and all the other structures inside the car as well. So it may be that it's just regardless of whether it's made out of uh, bona fide rubber or made out of soy-based um, materials, it may be that it just tastes good to these uh, rodents. They think it's candy. Uh, so, you know, the engineering solution has got to be associated with the cost and what people are willing to absorb in that. But uh, there are ways to do it. Don't know if we're going to get there, though. So how big of a problem is this really or is this just a, a fun
1: article for the New York Times to mention um you know somebody whose job is a uh, what was it, a design strategist and how they had uh issues with their wiring being eaten I mean is this is this a real problem or is it just kind of it happened to a handful of people
2: No it's 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 definitely a problem I mean we we've, we've been getting complaints on it for years um you know and if you look into some of the articles that i've read on this subject there's a lot of mechanics out there who are saying you know this is something that's been happening forever before they even introduced the soy wiring um but when you look at the complaints it's typically they're they're alleging that the soy wires caused it we're still not sure about that um but there are thousands probably of complaints with NITS right now i believe i searched started a search on that and NITS only allows you to search up to like 2,000 hits on a keyword. And um, it was over that number. Um, So there's, there's, you know, this is, it's a huge problem. It's not going away in many respects because unless you move, I think to Alberta, Canada, where they claim they have no rats. Um, It's a rat free zone another interesting fact. I ran across looking for this, but I don't think you can get away from this problem. Um, You know, you may, if you're leaving your vehicle in one area for a long time it probably sets up an environment where it's um a little more likely that rats or mice are going to take up home there particularly in the winter um if the vehicle's not being moved around um but other than that you know prevention is difficult you know i looked around to see, you know these uh ultrasonic pest repellent type things if those work, because some owners had mentioned those to us and those don't appear to be very effective long term. Um, I mean, truly the only, the only real solution would be to design a vehicle to resist these type of attacks. And like Fred mentioned, that's probably not feasible economically, both from a consumer pricing perspective and, you know, manufacturers. It's, it's, it would add a lot to the cost of each vehicle and a lot of other issues in the, in the, Design and building process,
1: right? So, well, what Fred was talking about with the antifreeze being so sweet and and tasty for rats—is there a reason why antifreeze has to be that way? Do electric vehicles use less antifreeze? Can you I know,
2: don't antifreeze know. I mean, I think there know. could be. You know, even beyond just antifreeze, I mean, there's road salt and all over these cars, and you know, animals. Of mammals particularly right. salt, so, delicious have it to live and they you know that could be another issue. there could be any number of different flavors accumulating in your vehicle at you know at, at one time whether it's salt you know we've all run over roadkill you know there's all sorts of things that rats could be interested in um and it's it, it almost seems, you know, it, it seems like a very difficult task. This seems harder than, you know, in some ways than designing the perfect airbag or something like that. It's it's it's, you know, humans have tried to control rodents for thousands of years now, I think, without too many effective results. And short of keeping a cat tied to your car, I don't know what what we're going to do here.
1: Well, is, isn't that Exxon's motto? Put a tiger in your tank. Is it really just them trying to keep down the rat population?
2: That would work. I I was thinking along the lines. Have you ever seen those, uh, the trunk monkey? Um, the what? There's a, it's a, uh, monkey you keep in your trunk to protect your car from, uh, being stolen. So you live in a cartoon, don't you?
1: You have like raccoons sliding down with their teeth in your backyard. What what yeah. is going
2: on? Those were squirrels. and Now, you know, I ended up having to just put another board over the fence there because they, they wouldn't stop. There was literally no way to repel them from doing that without interfering with their playground. So get a monkey. OK, so yeah. what what is this trunk monkey? So there was a uh, I believe it was. A, I don't know if it, it was a uh, Vehicle alarm company, or they designed some kind of anti-theft device, and so to advertise it, they uh, had a monkey that would appear out of the back of the vehicle when they, someone was trying to steal the vehicle. And um, I can't remember how it ended. If the monkey inflicted physical pain on the on the thief, or, or or how they ended, but they're fairly entertaining. They're probably worth a quick Google search for anyone that hasn't seen the trunk monkey. Is
0: this a question of woman in Connecticut who. Had a face transplant due to an interaction with a a primate, had a trunk monkey. Uh, I I don't know.
1: This episode of the Center for Auto Safety podcast brought to you by (laughs) Trunk Monkey. (laughs) You want a new face? Get Trunk Monkey.
0: Okay. (laughs) There's another hazard, too, that we haven't talked about, which is that if you're driving the car um, and there's a rodent in the passenger compartment, it could run up your paint slide and get into your underwear and make you jump around and lose control of the car it's I, I don't i haven't searched are there many complaints about that michael in the nitsa database
2: no however um you know children function very similarly um so you got to watch out for them
1: you should <laughs> never have children run up your pant leg
2: um you know and also you know there's some other situations there you know, obviously, we have some we have problems with deer running into cars and, you know, thinking broadly about animals. Um, the only real issues we've seen safety wise or recall wise, other than these gnawing rodents, which is a- actually I don't believe really ever resulted in a recall because it's just so hard to pin down whether it's the rats or whether it's the wires Um is spiders spiders seem to have a a a real affinity for vehicles and there have been two recalls that i know of and i think there's probably some more back in the day um one of them spiders got into airbags and were causing them to um deploy unexpectedly not deploy causing some issues with airbags and another one which is is even more interesting, the spiders were attracted to the gas vapors in um, one of the vehicle's fuel systems and built webs in there, essentially, and caused it to become blocked up, and that created a potential fire hazard. So those are the gas-huffing spiders um, that you really want to look out for. I yeah, believe were in uh, Mazdas.
1: It was uh, sent that article around it was Mazda six and this is from 2014. Mazda told US regulators that that is recalling 42,000 sedans with 2.5 liter engines from model years 2010 to 2012. Um, because of these gas huffing spiders, the spider webs blocking the evaporator canister vent lines. Um, so, uh, agent orange everywhere. Like this, this, uh, I, I, Okay, so we got spiders, we've got mice, I mean rats, um, and in, in Europe there there's problems with martens in European cars. Is that right?
0: Yeah, and they're cute little animals that apparently are small and feisty and can actually kill a deer, but they they seem to have a fondness for um, for hoses in in particular. And uh, you know, and I, I actually looked them up this morning and I looked at their diet and. Uh, vacuum hoses are not included in their list of normal dietary treats. So I'm kind of puzzled by that, but yeah, there's, it's a real thing in Germany. The Martins are getting in and they're they're big, big, cute weasels.
1: But only in Germany. So they're just going strictly after Volkswagen. I thought maybe they'd be more of a French thing. They'd go after a Renault. The cars might taste better.
0: Well, I think in France, they're Martins, aren't they? I'm not sure about that. Never did well in French.
1: <laughs> That's right. So, Michael, you sent in some uh, some great uh, feedback we get on the autosafety.org site. Um, so, let's see. Someone's saying that engine wires made of soy being eaten by rats, and car is broken down twice in seven months due to this. Bought car brand new, and have had to put a thousand dollars in repair twice. Board will not cover wire damage and acknowledges related problem for all customers. So, what does that consumer do? Just suck it up?
2: Doesn't. Yeah, unfortunately, right now there's not a lot that that's going to be done. I, I don't believe, from the manufacturer's perspective, they don't appear to be willing to cover any of these repairs. Which we're seeing, you know, depending on how much damage is done, it ranges from the hundreds to thousands of dollars. Which it's it's infuriating as as you know as as a vehicle owner to walk out to your car and not to have it work. Period. It's it's Worse if you get out on the road and one of your safety systems failed because, you know, of what seems like a random occurrence of a rodent getting into your vehicle. And, you know, as we've seen, it's, it's, it's really difficult to prevent. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a very frustrating area. And you, you know, I, you, you understand in many respects why, you know, an owner of a brand new car who hears that wires are made out of soy is going to, Question whether the manufacturer made a poor design decision. Um, but as we say that the science here is still a bit unsettled. So, um, it's an interesting area to watch. It's one of the few areas we get to, we get to, um, monitor that involves animals. Um, and it, you know, there's, there's no real solution here right now. We, we you know, we, 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 we are, we're exploring kind of the, the literature and, and, you know, what NHTSA has done in looking at it, which isn't a lot, um, what manufacturers in the industry have done looking at it, which also really isn't a lot. And they they're, they all seem content to leave consumers holding the bag here. So I don't know if there is a solution.
0: Sorry, a couple of points to bring up is that, number one, the insulation they're talking about is not tofu skin, okay? it's right. It's right. not that kind of formulation. It's a chemical derived from soy and by the time you extract the chemical pure enough to use in fabrication of uh, any polymer it's pretty far removed from tofu so you know there yeah it may be related to soy but it may be completely far enough away from soy so that it's not an edible component and, and uh, bears no relationship in aroma or taste or nutritional value to the original soy from which it was derived. I don't think anybody's ever done an experiment right now to determine whether soy is more attractive to rodents than uh, than any other polymer. The, uh, the experiments that have been done used plaques that are made out of the various materials and discovered that the rats were fondest of pure vinyl rather than anything else. So. I think there's more research to be done, but it seems to be that the areas with the most complaints are the areas, unsurprisingly, perhaps, with the most rodents. And we're seeing more and more in the cities now. And it could just be that, you know, correlation is not causality, right? It could just be that the people who are having the problems happen to be parking their vehicles in areas that are prone to rodent infestation. So yeah,
1: the New York Times article wraps up with a Dr. Parson, who's a professor of biology at Fordham, saying it's about social urban hygiene. We have to change the way we think about how we take care of our neighborhoods and we will be able to get rid of the rats unless you live in a city or on planet Earth. I mean, I might have added in those last parts, but yeah, I mean, I get what he's saying. Obviously, yeah, a cleaner environment, less rat friendly and whatnot. But if you live in a city, there's. They, you know, rats are your friends. I mean, you got to deal with it. So yeah, that- I
2: don't think there's any getting away from it um, in the city. It's I was I was I actually had had uh, always associated this issue with more rural environments because when you think of, you know, rats and mice and I'm thinking barns and cats and that sort of thing. And I was, you know, I reading the New York Times, I was like, you know, that's, you know, they, they had a, I think they had a rat that was sitting in their engine with a, uh, with a breakfast sandwich. So it seems like they are really making themselves at home in vehicles all over urban environments, which was. Frankly, a, 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 a kind of a revelation for me that that this is not you know a rural problem. This is something that's happening probably more frequently in the cities where there are rats running around looking for food sources and shelter.
1: I just thought from a for electrical cars, this should actually be better because you can just keep like a, a low level electrical current running through these wires because that should turn off. Uh, you know, rodents from eating things, go ahead and bite, get a little shock. All right, I'm going to move on to something else. <clears throat> but then I guess they'll just eat your vacuum hoses.
2: <clears throat> yeah, that would be the, the functional. Yeah, the problem with that, it is. you
0: have a 2 inch a circuit in order to make it work. I'm and sorry, what so Fred? You could have a ground as well as the source of the current. So you need to train the rodents to have one foot on the ground and one foot on the wire. It's difficult to do. I, I built a, a, a squirrel guard one time that actually accomplished that. It was interesting, but I don't think it was uh, PETA compliant, um, but it, it was effective. I got to say. <laughs> okay. That's,
1: that's, that's good to know that you're creating. Squ- Most of you have interesting relationships to squirrels. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, um, what about other, uh, you know, insects and what I imagine, especially, you know, in urban environments, cars are, do cockroaches love cars are they wreaking havoc with electrical systems?
2: You know, I, I I I I never thought of that. I don't know that you know, past spiders. I haven't heard of it because the webs of the spiders are typically what's causing the problem. They're creating, you know, they're leaving material behind and vehicle components that interferes with their function. But I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming that if you build up enough bugs on your hood on a long drive over your you know air intake, that might cause some problems. I mean, there's there's probably lots of ways. Bugs could could um, interfere with vehicle systems if they're allowed to build up and on mass.
0: Well, Volkswagen built bugs for a long time, and maybe it's just <laughs> a case of uh, professional courtesy that you know they don't think it's appropriate to screw with other cars because you know, never mind, I'll drop it there.
1: <laughs> no, I think maybe that explains the whole Martin's issue in Germany. I mean, they're they're getting back at Volkswagen for promoting this insect. They well, want to be you know. Martin. I mean, <clears throat> makes sense to me.
0: Apex are a bitch, as they say.
1: All right. Do we have any other rodent-related news? You know,
2: I. You know, I was. I. I don't really have anything pertaining to rodents. They were. Um, I was shocked to. to to read how large the rodent family is though. They're, they're literally everywhere and their teeth are growing all the time and they've got to keep them in shape so they can continue to chew. If they don't, but the, you know, their teeth can grow all sorts of ways, grow through their brain. You know, it's, it's not a good life. I, I wouldn't want to have teeth that grow all the time.
1: So you're pro rodent. I see. You're like, damn, with the cars and vehicle safety, save the rodent. I get you it.
2: Know, rodents are going to do what they're going to do, and I, you know, either we adapt and and you know change our methods of you know protecting our vehicles or monitoring our vehicles, or they're just going to continue to keep gnawing on them. I, I don't. I don't know that there's any other answer here.
1: Rodent dentists. That's what we need. That's what we need in the healthcare bill. Really. Let's take care of their teeth.
2: Well, maybe they
0: could put little grinding wheels underneath the hoods of each car and the rodents can just use that to grind their teeth on Then they won't have to chew. It's a possibility. I, I've got a Dremel tool. I could uh, put it in my Subaru and see if that works. But what do you think? I,
1: I think that's an excellent idea. Dip it in a little antifreeze. Um, it should be good to go.
0: Absolutely. Antifreeze flavored Dremel tools. I love it.
1: <laughs> I think you found a new funding opportunity. <laughs> All right. Let's 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 get off of uh, a rodents. I want to uh, briefly touch on this article on the front page of autosafety.org about the driveway danger. Kids being injured and killed in front of front over SUV blind zone incidents. Because this kind of uh, relates a little bit to last week we were talking. That was with the blind spots of the radar systems. But this is actually right. blind spots from the driver's perspective of not being able to see over the hood of the car.
2: Right. So what's what's essentially happening here is that you know when you're driving a a typical sedan, you've got you can see you know probably anything within three, four, five feet of in front of your vehicle. Um, But as SUVs has proliferated and as the hood heights in front of the driver have raised, there's now a blind spot. It could be about fifteen feet in front of the vehicle, maybe even further where you can't see children and you can't see pets and you know you can't see anything because there's a giant hood between the um, object and you. So a few years back, uh, NHTSA mandated the inclusion of rear cameras in vehicles, which I love mine. I know a lot of drivers love their rear view camera. It's a, certainly a lot easier to use than your mirrors but you should be using your mirrors in conjunction with it. Um, And it really, you know, it's it's there hasn't been a good study on at this point, whether that change has made a huge impact because these vehicles, it was only required starting a few years ago. So the data hasn't come in. This is very slow to get the data in. But there have been shown to be, you know, a benefit of at least 20 percent or so in reducing rear collisions and we think a frontal camera could do very similar things um, to reduce frontal collisions. In addition to some of the things that are coming, like uh pedestrian uh, automatic emergency braking and that sort of thing, um, because we continue to see a lot of crashes in driveways where parents are running over children um, every year. And it's, you know, it's one of the worst types of things that happens. It's, you know, up there with the, seat back collapse where parents heads are hitting their children's head in the back. And, you know, some of the hot car issues that are just, you know, some of these heart wrenching things that continue to happen over and over again every year um, where there are possible technical solutions that aren't being deployed. Um, so it's, it's another one of those frustrating areas for us where, you know, we think that this is a big problem. NHTSA hasn't gotten its data together for anyone to be able to determine whether or not it's a problem, and the um, industry is resistant to putting, you know, putting more tech into cars because it's going to cost them more money and it's going to raise the price of their vehicles. So um, there's there's kind of a there's an area there that I think is ripe for action um, since manufacturers are already putting frontal cameras and these 360 degree views in the you know the luxury vehicles. As an option, um, we wonder if it's time to require them in all vehicles just to go ahead and get it, go ahead and get out in front of the curve on some of these crashes that are bound to happen.
1: Yeah, it looks like most modern cars all have that front facing camera already. Are they also subject to that 15 foot blind spot in SUVs? Um, Because I know mine is up behind the rear view mirror. Um, I don't know where they're located in other cars, but other vehicles have, you know, they have the. Uh, radar detections and right. uh, ultrasonic detection is it
2: you know and, and, and ultimately if if there was a requirement for something like this I don't believe Nitsa would NHTSA might choose not to re- require a frontal camera but to require a frontal system that you know allowed the driver to detect the presence of a child object pet something in front of the vehicle so that could be accomplished through probably through lidar radar cameras there's a number of ways to get there um since the agency is likely to be tech neutral there but um we think that something should be going into you know we think that 50 deaths and you know 100 a few hundred injuries could be prevented every year um if this technology was was to make it into every vehicle versus versus just being a creature comfort in some of the higher end vehicles at the moment
1: does any of the existing uh, pedestrian alert systems, emergency braking systems for pedestrians, do those work in the situation or do they only generally engage above a certain mile per hour?
2: They they could certainly work there. In fact, the ones that are installed typically only work at the lower speeds you would see in driveways. Um and that's part of the solution. That could certainly be part of um, a requirement for this technology in whatever form it takes on, on all vehicles that are coming to market versus just being sold as an option.
0: Well, another solution is to reduce the f- profile of the hood of these vehicles. You know, uh, the Euro New Car Assessment Program provides points for cars that have beneficial designs That protect pedestrians, and those beneficial designs all have lower profiles than American cars. This this problem has arisen just because Americans seem to like enormous grills. I walked past a Toyota Tundra yesterday, and I swear the grill was five feet high. Uh, You know, this is it's a startling visual effect, yes, and people seem to like it, yes. But it assures that if you were to hit a pedestrian, their head is going to hit the front of your uh, of your vehicle rather than have any relief from the dynamics of, of the collision that occurs when you have a, a lower hood profile. So I, I the solution Mike, Michael talked about is, you know, a technical solution to improve the sensors and improve the emergency braking. There's, of course, one way to go, but another way to go is just have the government, have NHTSA address the essentially lethal profiles of the front of vehicles that are there for purely stylistic reasons. There's no reason, no technical reason that the uh, engine and the components under the hood could not be packaged in a much lower profile. They were a few years ago, and no reason why they can't be again. So this is purely an
1: aesthetic decision because I imagine, especially with electric vehicles, you don't need that front end for air cooling anymore.
2: Yeah, you'll hear all sorts of explanations uh, from the automakers. The air cooling one certainly comes up, Um, especially when you talk about, I I believe the one I've heard the most is with the new requirements for the fuel economy rules. They have to have these massive air intake systems. So they kind of shift the blame onto the, the fuel economy rules or something like that um that
1: sounds also bad for just a drag perspective i'm like for aerodynamics
2: having this you you would think there's all sorts of reasons that that a very high grill is bad i mean like fred says the one that i've heard a lot um from women particularly is that they're walking past these vehicles that are almost taller than them i mean it's uh Makes it hard to see in a parking lot around these things, uh, much less uh, when you know that the driver's not going to be able to see you. Uh, that's kind of a scary feeling. Um, and right now it's, there have been no attempts by NHTSA to curb the height of these vehicles whatsoever. Um, like Fred mentioned in Europe, they're trying to do that. And in Europe, they don't really have the problem to the extent we have in America anyway. Our cars over here are, are pretty large compared to theirs in many respects. Um, so again, this is, it's kind of a, you know, and, and, and we see, you know, the, the, the vehicles, Americans have been demanding vehicles that are bigger with more weight for a long time now. And we haven't seen really any efforts to stop that either so in many respects this is this is a consumer these are consumer driven design choices and it's it's what people want and the problem is, is that it's creating um uh, safety issues uh at the you know and and i i i lost my train of thought there you might want to cut that
1: <laughs> no i i, I think that so Fred, you mentioned in Europe that they get, manufacturers get points for designing these features and what are these points, how does this incentivize manufacturers there? What are the points do?
0: Well, the new Car assessment program um, provides data that is available to the public, usually posted on the side of the vehicle that allows people to compare the safety, the relative safety and the absolute safety of the vehicle offerings by the companies. And so in the new car assessment program in Europe, this uh, publicly available data includes the relative safety of the various cars for pedestrians. So if you get four stars, you know, you might get four stars if you have a good front end profile, you might get three stars if you don't have a good front end profile. Um, There is nothing comparable in the United States now that values pedestrian lives in any way with respect to the new car assessment program. Uh, we've been advocating for that because of course, pedestrians are being killed, not only at an unacceptable rate, but a rate that's actually increasing uh, over the last couple of years. So there is a direct relationship between these designs with the, the massive front ends of cars and the, uh, and the rate of death of pedestrians and vulnerable, other vulnerable road users it has to share the roads with other vehicles.
1: So this is, I mean, tangentially, I think, related to what we're talking about. So I, I noticed that, you know, you have these large Toyota Tundras and my tiny little Toyota Corolla, the bumper height. It's not a bumper anymore, whatever that that front piece of plastic um, is at one height on my vehicle. And the Toyota Tundras, which actually looks like it has a bumper, um, would come over the roof of my car. Is there any sort of, why isn't bumper location? I mean, if the idea is, you know, hey, your bumper hits my bumper, we bump, we bounce off. But if they're not, if anyone's setting them at any height possible, what's the point? Um, Is there any regulations around that? I already know the answer because every time I ask about regulations, you guys laugh at me. No, I don't think there's
0: any regulation that requires... The truck bumpers to be synchronized with the uh, automobile bumpers.
2: Michael, you know a lot
0: more about that than I. You muted. There's
2: there have been a lot of efforts to try to make vehicles more compatible with each other in crashes. Um, and as part of that, we they would they should probably also be made more compatible with pedestrian um, for pedestrian collisions. But there there are no standards that require vehicles to um have certain bumper heights so that when they collide they're like bumper cars and they just bounce off of each other versus um what we see now which is you're staring at the bumper of a truck right in front of you and you know where that bumper is going when you have a crash with it
0: all right i've been been surprised to see the infinity design change a couple years ago where they basically have the grill running all the way down to the uh the bottom of the front of the car. <clears throat> there doesn't seem to be any bumper there at all, and I assume that if you get in any kind of crash with those cars, you've got a multi-thousand-dollar replacement ahead of you because you've got that whole giant structure of the grill and all the accessories that go with it that have got to be replaced from even a minor crash. I could be wrong in this, but uh, it's a surprising it's a surprising way to design the front of a car without uh, apparent protection. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of fluidity, there's no synchronization, and um, a lot of excess costs associated with repairs because the bumpers are not synchronized in any way.
1: So again, it sounds like, uh, go live in Europe, they have better protections for pedestrians and their rodents are much more attractive and adorable than ours in the US. They have
0: better pastries too.
1: That is absolutely true. Maybe that's
0: why they have better rodents. I
1: don't know. Well, better, more attractive. You know, who's to say? All right. I guess that's it for another episode of the Center for Auto Safety podcast, brought to you by Martins, the adorable rodent, soon to be inside
0: your engine block. For more information, visit www.autosafety.org.